welcome to the Yoga Focus podcast. My name is Laura Gellner and I am a yoga therapist and occupational therapist based in New Jersey. I created the Yoga Focus podcast as a way to talk about the tools and techniques of yoga and to see how we can use those techniques to create a greater sense of focus and clarity within our life. the key components that we're going to pull together when we are teaching an anatomically informed yoga practice and specifically here we're going to be looking at the respiratory system which is such a key piece in the practice of yoga and it's one of the things that I I really attribute the incredible transformative quality that yoga has to this connection to the respiratory system it's such an amazing tool when we learn how to work with this. The first thing that I like to focus on here is awareness of our resting breath and self-inquiry in terms of how we're breathing throughout the day, not just how we're breathing on our yoga mat. Because when we're teaching, and a lot of the things that I like to teach my students is how to take the things that you learn on your yoga mat and use it as this tool in the rest of your day. We are thinking about our breathing not just for the 45 minutes or an hour or whatever time you spent on your yoga mat and then just completely forgetting about it when we leave, but it's a training ground. When we are on the mat, we are training our bodies to have awareness. We are training ourselves to do different things with our breath to help us to feel a specific way. And that's a tool that we use in every other part of our life. When we are learning about our breath, the first thing is to watch, to shine the light of awareness so that we can notice things. Because if we don't have awareness, we can't make changes. If we don't have awareness, we're not going to be able to learn specific techniques of how to change and manipulate the breath the way that we do with pranayama. So the foundation of everything that we do in terms of working with the respiratory system comes from awareness. And I am a big fan of teaching in what we call the self-inquiry kind of format. And what that is, is instead of telling our students what they should be feeling, it is leaving space for them to explore. It's creating a sense of curiosity that they're like, what is my breath doing? Let me see, oh, when I do this pose, is my breath different? And that self-inquiry is such a, a great thing to teach your students because it's something that's going to serve them in every part of their life and every part of their yoga practice. Inquiring, searching for that information, noticing what our experience is. The way that I pull this into teaching yoga is that when my students get onto their mat, there's a tendency, uh, as soon as you get on your mat, you might start ujjayi breathing, right? A lot of yogis get into that habit of always doing ujjayi breath. And we will just walk into the room and already you're like working on ujjayi. But we've missed out on that opportunity of settling into stillness, coming onto the mat and just stepping into that place of awareness before I do anything, before I change anything. What is my breath doing? 
where do I feel my breath moving? Where do I not feel my breath moving? How long is my inhale? How long is my exhale? Can I notice the pause at the top and the bottom of the breath? So there's a lot of different things you can guide them to bring awareness toward. And all of that is going to serve them really well when we move into pranayama and we're actually manipulating the ratios of the breath. But it has to come from a space of what is my normal resting breath? And it's a great off the mat exploration to just have your students check in throughout the day. When you're angry, how is your breath? When you're stressed, how is your breath? When you're totally relaxed, how is your breath? Constantly checking back in. The next part is from a wonderful yoga teacher who wrote the breathing book. And this is really where I started to grasp how important training natural breathing is. And a lot of times in yoga, we jump into pranayama, we jump into restricted or controlled breathing so quickly that we forget how important and valuable it can be to train our natural breath pattern. And when I read her book, I was like, of course, why, why have I overlooked that for so long? The way that we breathe all day long when you're awake is 12 plus hours. When we're breathing on the yoga mat, that's maybe a fraction of your day. So our natural breath pattern is super important to have healthy patterns and to really maximize that. So there's a, a list in the book of free natural breathing characteristics, like allowing your breath to change as your movement and your activity changes. Don't get stuck in one breath pattern allowing there to be a really natural kind of fluid oscillation in the body as the breath comes and goes. So these are things that you can start to weave into your practice. These are things that you can start to help your students to look for some awareness around. Here you can see at the bottom, I've pulled in the eight characteristics of free natural breathing. So the first one is oscillation, that you're allowing the body to have this almost wave-like characteristic as you are breathing. You are allowing the breath to flow through the pose that you're doing rather than holding the body rigid and the breath having to fight against that. It is diaphragmatic, so the diaphragm muscle is the primary mover of that breath and this is something that we'll talk about in terms of making sure that the accessory muscles like the neck and the upper shoulders aren't trying to create too much force and effort in the breath and that the breath isn't rising up into the chest. Not that it's wrong to chest breathe because it's okay to use your full lung capacity, especially if you're doing something that is higher effort, but we want to make sure that we are initiating the breath with the diaphragm. The diaphragm is the primary mover of the breath. The breath has an internal origin. It feels like the breath organically begins from inside of the body as opposed to grasping or kind of pulling the breath towards you. It all kind of comes back to this idea that the breath feels very free, very fluid, and very natural. Your breathing is multi-directional. A lot of times in yoga, we'll do hand placements on the front of the body because that's the easiest place to 
touch and the easiest place to settle our attention. But the reality is our breath really needs to expand in all directions, front, sides, back, and there's even a little bit of up and down kind of expansion. So multi-directional breathing. The pattern of the breath is calm and regular. So smooth edges is what I always think about. Would your breathing have jagged edges or kind of nice smooth round transitions? And is the pace regular or does it change and um, shift erratically? When you're at rest, it's very normal for your breath to have this pattern of inhale for two, exhale for three, and then a slight pause at the end of the exhale. So don't feel like your breath always has to be gigantic. I think a lot of yoga teachers get caught up in this idea that big, big deep breaths are always better. Uh, but the reality is when we are at rest and we're not consuming a lot of oxygen, our breath is actually a very gentle, very subtle process. And the breaths are not very long. The breath is flexible, and this is important. In yoga, when you're doing different poses, your breath is going to be different. Sometimes ujjayi breath is going to work well, but sometimes it's nice to let go of ujjayi breath and just let your breath do whatever it wants to do according to how much effort you're putting out or the shape that your body is in. So we allow our breath to adapt to whatever the demands are at that given moment. And then finally, it should feel like the breath is effortless. The body is breathing the way that it is meant to breathe. It is not feeling strained. It doesn't feel like there is tension building because of the, the way that you are breathing. So it should feel like your breath is coming effortlessly to you. Now keep in mind, these are a different way of thinking about your breath compared to pranayama. In pranayama, we are purposely restricting and controlling the breath to have a specific energetic outcome, but both of these are valid and useful for your students. Okay, so that was free natural breathing. Now we're going to talk about the muscles of respiration, thinking about the primary muscles of respiration, which would be the diaphragm, the intercostals, a little bit of the rectus abdominis, the things that are actually changing the amount of pressure in the thoracic cavity so that the lungs inflate and deflate, making sure that the secondary muscles of breathing like the sternocleidomastoid and the upper traps are not starting to overcompensate because we are trying to breathe up into the shoulders. So it's training low and slow down into the diaphragm. Breath counting is something that I like to teach my students. It's a great way to help you fall asleep if you're having trouble sleeping, counting your breath. Inhale, two, three, four, hold. Exhale, two, three, four, hold. It's also a great opportunity to teach the four parts of the breath. The inhale, the top of the inhale, the exhale, the bottom of the exhale. Sometimes we forget and we think that there are two parts to the breath, but there's four and we can play with all four parts of the breath in order to have specific outcomes that we are looking for with our respiration. And in turn, that's going to have an effect on our nervous system, which is why breathing is such an incredible tool. It has a direct line of communication right to our nervous system. 
Square breathing is when we just do an even ratio. So it might be an inhale for four, a hold for four, an exhale for four, and a hold for four. Great way to work on the four parts of the breath. And that brings us to pranayama. So pranayama is the controlled version of breathing and breathing practices that we do in yoga. Sometimes we are allowing the body to breathe freely and naturally, and then sometimes we are practicing pranayama for the purpose of shifting our energy. And we have certain pranayama practices that help to increase our energy. We have certain practices that will settle and calm our energy. And then we have neutralizing practices that help to kind of clear out the clutter and help us to hold a good stable baseline or middle ground. And that can be used, and it's a lot of the, the skill of the teacher of selecting what pranayama to use at what time of day, with what student population, how long you practice it, and how you teach it. It's going to have a lot to do with the outcome that you get. So there's a big piece where the yoga teacher's experience and skill really plays into what type of pranayama do I select and why. All right, and then the last one for the respiratory system is actually taking pranayama and integrating it into the yoga practice. The most common way that we see this is kind of the standard baseline of everybody's doing ujjayi breath for the duration of the class, but I think we can do better. <laughs> Just doing ujjayi all the time is one particular way of doing it, but we're missing out on this whole other set of tools that we could use to have the desired effect for our students. So pulling in breath of fire, pulling in alternate nostril breathing, pulling in left-sided nostril breathing to connect with the lunar energy. There are so many different pranayamas that we can take and bring into the practice. Very commonly, we will use pranayama at either the beginning or the end of the practice, so somewhere in the centering or in the cool down, maybe before Shavasana or right after Shavasana. A lot of people will use pranayama at that point. But I love taking that and sprinkling it to the middle of the class. Don't feel like pranayama has to be at one end or the other. Spending a little bit of time doing breath of fire in a certain pose, the way that we do in kundalini practice, so, so helpful. That's one of the things that was really transformational for me when I started practicing kundalini yoga is that kundalini takes pranayama and brings it into asana practice and you're doing all the things mixed together and it's so powerful. So something for you to think about and explore when you are doing your planning and preparation for the yoga practice focusing on the respiratory system. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the podcast. I just wanted to talk to you guys about the book that I released in June of 2019, which is called Yoga Therapy at the Wall. I've worked on this book for the past three years to create all of the pictures and all of the information in here. It's 162 pages and it's a full color manual. The chapters are broken down by body parts that we focus on using the wall to help us learn about different movement patterns and how to change some of the yoga postures to have a specific therapeutic focus. And you can really start to understand when you look at the book why I feel like the wall is the most underutilized prop that we have in yoga. We kind of forget about these things that we have all around us and 
that we almost always have access to a wall to utilize in the practice. So this manual will give you a ton of ideas to expand and start to utilize the wall as a prop. If you're interested in ordering, you can get the printed version on lulu.com. Um, you can either take the link in the show notes or you can go on Lulu and look up yoga therapy at the wall. There's also a digital download option, but for that you have to go on Etsy. And my Etsy store is Healthy Focus by Laura G. Or you can just search yoga therapy at the wall. Thanks. Hope you enjoy it.